Welcome to the Rainier View Christian Church Podcast, where we invite you to pursue God, engage in community, and make a difference. Hello, Rainier View Christian Church. Uh, My name is Dave, and it's great to be with you here again online. Uh, And so I've got a really important question to ask you today, and that is, do you remember the great toilet paper shortage of 2020? (laughs) where things just went a little crazy, or as my son would say, a little cray-cray, where uh, store shelves uh, just were completely empty of toilet paper. And if a store got toilet paper, everybody heard about it and rushed to buy it. Well, I remember the very first time that uh, I went into the Auburn Walmart. Now, I'm not throwing the Walmart under the bus here at all, but I just remember it was the first time that I went into Walmart in Auburn. And as I was going in, there were a couple police officers dragging a man in handcuffs out of the store. And he was yelling and screaming and cussing and, and uh, really, of course, didn't want to go to jail. I asked the Walmart greeter, so what, what was his problem? And they said, well, we wouldn't let him buy a, a cartload of uh, toilet paper. It was uh, a limit two packages per customer. <laughs> and so anyway, I, I was just thinking, what would that look like to stand before the judge and say, you know, why I totally lost control? Well, it's because they wouldn't let me buy more toilet paper uh, than just two rolls. Uh, do you remember all of the videos that we saw about uh, federal marshals dragging people off of, uh, of airplanes? Or, or maybe you even have experienced uh, road rage on, uh, on the roads or maybe in the workplace, uh, workplace incidents. And then, of course, every now and then we hear about these mass shootings that are being played out on the nightly news. It seems almost every week, right? Well, what's that all about? And the answer would be it's it's about uh, people losing what? Self-control, right? Whether we blame blame it on the pandemic or we blame it on politics or or something else, navigating in a polarized world kind of feels uh, like there's this epic, what what are we going to say, tug of war going on all around us. And maybe there's a tug of war going on uh, in your own life right now. So did you know that tug of war as a sport used to be in the Olympics all the way up till like 1924? That's right. Uh, There was actually an event in the Olympics that that was the tug of war. And it was, of course, uh, pitted country against country, your strongest aid against, uh, you know, our strongest aid. And so every year now there's actually a a tug-of-war event, right? And uh, they have them at the World Games every year. And this year, uh, 2022, it was actually in Birmingham, Alabama. The winning team was from Switzerland, by the way. Uh, Tug-of-war is trying to make a comeback even in the Olympics. Have you ever competed in a tug-of-war? Uh, maybe back in high school or maybe at church camp. And I remember uh, our tug of wars and, and I always thought they were really epic. And we had this mud pit 
<laughs> and so I was always the smallest. I was always on the front of the rope and I always got pulled into the mud pit and usually I went in head first, right? Well, all covered in mud and of course your hands, you know, they were, you know, had all these rope burns on them. But you know what? It was great fun. Whether it lasted for just a few seconds or it lasted for several minutes, it was always great fun. Now, I asked, had you ever competed in a tug of war? Well, uh, if you said, well, I never really have, I've never done that. I'm wondering though, if maybe we all aren't engaged in a, a, a real life kind of tug of war. Uh, I think we all are actually. Uh, we'll talk more about that in just a minute, but for the last several weeks, we've been navigating this series uh, entitled Navigating a Polarized World and Living Out the Virtues that are found in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. And it goes like this, but the fruit of the Spirit, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, uh, or patience, we might say, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and wait for it, the last one, what is it? Self-control, that's right. And if you've ever played uh, Jenga, right? That, that game, did I say it right maybe? Jenga or is it Ginga? Jenga, isn't it? I think it is. Then you totally get this, right? Where, where, uh, where there's a couple blocks down at the bottom of your, your tower, right? And you know what's gonna happen if you pull out just, you know, if you pull out one of those bottom uh, Jenga blocks, right? Well, the whole tower comes crashing down. Well, what is self-control? What is it? It's kind of like that bottom block on your Jenga tower that if you pull it out, everything comes crashing down. And I hope we're going to see that uh, self-control like, is like a tug of wills. But through the Spirit, I'm here to sh share with you that this is a tug of war that we can win, and I say we. Now, first off, we need to know that, uh, that this, uh, this battle for self-control, this tug of war for self-control is, is an epic flesh v. spirit battle. It's a epic flesh v. spirit battle. Did you know that there are two lists, actually in Galatians chapter five, two lists. There are two paths that we could choose to take. One is the Holy Spirit-infused path, but the other is the path led by what the Apostle Paul calls our flesh. That is, our desires to live and act like the world does, with no regard for God, right? So let's take a look at it. Galatians 5, 19 through 21, the acts of the flesh, he says, are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. And he says, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, let me define just a couple of these. Sexual immorality here is from that Greek word uh, from which we get pornography and it's pornea. And it's referring to any sexual activity outside of the biblical marriage covenant. 
Debauchery is one of those words that maybe we haven't heard very often, but it refers to uh, a sensuality. And it's from the Greek word that describes someone who is out of control. That's right. Uh, debauchery is somebody who's out of control, uh, doing anything that feels good to them in spite of the consequences uh, or morals attached to it. You see what's happening here? There's an epic tug of war, tug of wills, that's going on between our worldly desires and the Holy Spirit that through Christ lives within us. For those who have decided to follow Christ, uh, we have that Holy Spirit and that battle is, is still raging. And I know what you're going to say. Now, now, wait a minute, Dave, right? Wait a minute. I thought that when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that our spiritual battles were over. <laughs> I'm no longer going to fall victim to those troublesome T's. Uh, you know what the troublesome T's are, all right? The tongue, the temper, the temptations, and the allure of treasures, right? Well, not hardly. Our battles are really just beginning when we make Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior because our enemy, the devil, is relentless. Ephesians 6, 11 makes it clear uh, who that enemy is. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And, and I'm here to tell you, the devil doesn't fight fair, does he? Paul goes on to say that this tug of war, this spiritual struggle that we find ourselves in uh, is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. You've heard the expression, the devil made me do it. <laughs> the devil made me do it, right? Well, that statement is only partly true. The devil presents us with an opportunity, right? And the battle of wills begins. Will I give into the flesh or will I follow the spirit? It's my choice to make. You know, after Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River, he went off for uh, 40 days to, to pray. And he was in the wilderness and he was fasting and praying for those 40 days. Now, the gospel tells us that the devil came and tempted Jesus. Now, talk about an understatement. Matthew says that Jesus was hungry. And can you imagine 40 days, uh, a 40-day fast? I've tried fasting like, uh, like three days, and, and I, can't hardly, I can't even hardly make that. But uh, Jesus, uh, Matthew says in his gospel that Jesus was, hung was hungry. So the devil says to Jesus, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. In other words, gratify your physical cravings. I love what Jesus says here because he responds to the devil by saying, it's written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So what did Jesus do here? He reinserted God and God's will into this situation. This physical situation of turning rocks into bread, Jesus could have done that. I mean, he turned water to wine, right? So he could have done that. But what Jesus did was reinserted God's will into this physical situation. And so it was, what would the God the Father want me to do? You know, it was the summer of 1982, so you can do the math. I was, uh, I was barely 20 years old 
not quite 20 years old. I was between my freshman and my sophomore years of college. I was actually contemplating enlisting in the army and kind of going that route of an army chaplain. And I remember that the army actually put me up in a hotel overnight. I took the written test uh, one day and then I took the physical the next day. And so it was the first time for me to kind of be on my own, away from home, in the big city, this country boy kind of thing. And so it was exciting. And I remember it was, it was, it was dark, it was late, but uh, I was getting ready to go to bed and, and there was a big thunderstorm, lightning outside. And so I went out on the balcony and I'm watching the rain come down. And, and as I'm standing there, uh, I heard a voice from above. No, it wasn't, it wasn't God's voice. It was actually a, a young lady from up above, the balcony above, and she called down. She said, hello, and I said, hey, how you doing? And then I went back in. I went to bed. Well, a couple minutes later, the phone rings, and uh, she starts talking to me, and uh, finally, eventually, I realized what she was doing, and she says, finally, because I didn't get the hint, but she said, would you like some company tonight? Only 20 bucks. The first thought that went through my mind was, hmm, nobody would ever know. Nobody would ever know, but you know what? According to Jesus and that last verse, God would know, wouldn't he? And then I thought of another verse that I had just learned uh, just a few weeks earlier uh, studying at Bible college, and it was from 1 Corinthians 6.15, and it said, shall I take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute. And the, the response that the Apostle Paul gives in Corinthians was, Meganoita. And that's Greek for never. Never. Never let that thought even enter your mind. The King James translated that, God forbid. So uh, I said, no thank you to the young lady. But uh, it was, it, that was at least one spiritual battle that I won on that night. Now, does that mean that I've won, I've been victorious over all these epic struggles that we face between our flesh and the spirit? Not at all. We know that. But there are two lists in Galatians 5. It's an epic flesh versus spirit tug of war. So that's the first thing we need to know about self-control. But then the second thing is that uh, this battle for self-control, it's not a sprint, but a marathon. You may be feeling really guilty right now because you're remembering and regretting a time when you said something that you shouldn't have said or you let your temper get out of control. Who hasn't, right, if you got kids especially? Or you gave into that temptation again or you found yourself obsessing over something that you know that you don't need but you, and you can't afford it, but you want it anyway. Again, when I was a, a college intern at a church um, uh, up in Northeast Ohio, we had a church softball team. And so uh, we were in this church league and, and playing a game one day. And I remember there was a play at second base and uh, the, the, the call went in favor of our team. And I remember as, as I was actually on second base uh, that, that the coach, who I thought was the coach from the other church team, came out of the dugout. He came storming out on the field, yelling at the official and, and really just furious and irate because the call didn't go their way. And so 
finally uh, everything subsided because that coach got kicked out of the game. Of course, the whole rest of their dugout was quiet. Um, I thought it was really weird because they were all just kind of, they looked kind of dumbfounded. And so finally I asked the, the guy uh, that had tagged me and uh, missed, didn't get the call, um, who was that guy? And he said, oh, he was our pastor. And I'm like, yikes. Well, that pastor blew it that day, didn't he? Well, he's not alone, is he? The Bible is full of people who blew it. And we've all blown it, right? And three things that I want to point out about that is, one, that that list of all those acts of the flesh that I read earlier in Galatians 5, it's a list of those, who, those people who live like this. And the Apostle Paul said, remember, those who live like this won't inherit the kingdom of God. The truth is, we've probably done nearly all of them at one time or another. But the key is, that list, to that list is that we don't want to live like that. Remember King David. Now, King David's credited with writing over a hundred psalms. He slayed giants and he was the one loved by the Lord, but yet he also was one who committed adultery. Now, was David a habitual adulterer? No. He repented of his sin and he was forgiven by God. But, Look at that whole idea uh, about self-control. Remember that in the Apostle Paul's list for the fruit of the Spirit, self-control is, is one of those fruits that, well, like any other fruit, it takes time to ripen. And so when I say that, that self-control is, is not a sprint, it's a marathon, we have to remember that, that as a fruit, uh, fruit grows over time in rich soil. Now, I know that we live in a want-it-now kind of culture, don't we? We tend to overestimate what we can do in a day or a week, and we underestimate what we could do in a month or a year. And we have to remember that God is not finished with us yet. See all of your, fail <clears throat> excuse me. See all of your failed attempts as a learning curve, because that's what they can be. I find I often learn more out of my mistakes than I actually do my successes. The third thing I want you to know about this uh, epic battle for self-control that's uh, not a sprint but a marathon is that because this life is not a sprint but a marathon, it unfortunately means that uh, there are times that we're going to have to live with the consequences of the decisions that we make. In other words, uh, I meet people all the time who are living with regrets and oftentimes for the rest of their lives. I mean, an act of adultery can lead to a divorce. An act of drunkenness can lead to a fatal car crash. A fit of rage can land us in prison, like the guy who couldn't buy enough toilet paper at Walmart. But, and this is a big but, it's right here where we say, thank you, Jesus. It was because we blow it that Jesus came. It was because we've all sinned and fall short that Jesus said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And he was the one that took our place on the cross. 
You see, God's grace and forgiveness trumps all of our regrets. And that's something important to remember. You see, God is not finished in our lives. And this self-control tug of war that we find all find ourselves in will really not be completed until we finish our race on this earth. The last thing that I want to mention about self-control today is we've got this. Notice I said we've got this and not you've got this. Self-control requires that we first think before we act, that we have a strong desire to obey God and believe that the Holy Spirit will enable us. And that's why they're called the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Self-control enables us to ask some questions. If I do this thing, how will that affect me spiritually? How will that affect me financially? How will the, this affect me physically? And then maybe, how is this going to affect how others see me? You see, Satan's greatest desire is to cheat, uh, to, to cheat you out of God's best for your life. A life full of love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and the confidence the confidence that comes through self-control. And what then, we, we might ask, what then is the role of the Holy Spirit in helping us to be victorious in this area of self-control? And why do I say this is a battle that we can win? Well, for those who have given their life to the Lord, we have the power of the Holy Spirit. John 4, 4 says, the one who's in you is greater than the one who's in the world. We in the name of Jesus can say, just as Jesus did, get behind me, Satan, all right? And we, have, we can say that too, in the name of Jesus, get behind me, Satan. And you know what? He has to flee. We have other weapons too, don't we? There's power in prayer, isn't there? And right with that is that we have our church family, don't we? And we can ask our church family to be praying for us. And if you're doing church online, I'm wondering how connected you are to uh, the, the family of God, the, the whole church family. And one of the most important parts of being connected in the, that church family is power uh, of prayer and having pray, people praying for you. And there's also another aspect of that, and that is the accountability that we have as a church family. What, what do I mean by that? Well, James 5.16 says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And then he says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I love that. You see, the word of God, uh, we have, not only do we have prayer and we have people that can be praying, uh, the family of God that's praying for us, but we also have another tool uh, in, our, our, in our tool belt, which is the word of God. And the word of God guides our way and keeps us from stumbling. Uh, Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. And it was the word of God that I remembered in that hotel room in 1982 
when that young lady said, it's only $20. It was the word of God that the Holy Spirit brought into my mind that allowed me to say, God forbid, don't ever let that thought even enter my mind. So, with the Holy Spirit, the greatest of all time, right? That's who, what Jesus, how Jesus described the Holy Spirit. Pulling with us, pulling for us in this epic tug-of-war contest. <laughs> I liken it to, have you seen that Capital One, that Capital One commercial where there's like a bunch of eight-year-olds and they're on the basketball court and they're choosing up teams? <laughs> have you seen that one where Charles Barkley is standing there with all these eight-year-olds, you know, and, and the girl, of course, picks Charles Barkley <laughs> to, to be on his team. And of course, yeah, you know, and he's in your face. I knew she'd pick me first, right? But anyway, it's kind of like that. When I think of the Holy Spirit pulling for us, it's like, uh, you know, Charles Barkley playing a bunch of eight-year-olds in a pickup game, you know, three-on-three kind of thing. And so uh, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, is the one that uh, is pulling for us in that epic battle. And that's why I say it's a battle that we all can win. Well, I hope that as we wrap up this series, navigating a polarized world, that you're feeling confident that the virtues the Holy Spirit is growing in you, that is love and, and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control, that these are truly growing and bearing fruit in your life. And I hope and pray that your tug of war for self-control is a battle that you now know you can win. You can win over any addiction or uh, any temptation that the Holy Spirit uh, throws your way. And yes, like it or not, we are all, each one of us, engaged in this tug of war for self-control. It's really soul control. And we need to put the Holy Spirit in the driver's seat. But you may have arrived at this moment feeling totally defeated. Like you're in this struggle and there is no way, no way that you can win it. You're exhausted. You may feel like there's no way out for you. And you're right. You're absolutely right. You can't win this tug of war um, that you're waging by yourself. You know that harmful, hurtful list in Galatians 5? Well, there's another one that's just really similar to it that the Apostle Paul uh, wrote out, in, and it's found in 1 Corinthians. And what's interesting about that list is that as he goes through that list, and we won't repeat it, of all those all of those temptations and all of those struggles that man find themselves in. He says in Galatians, uh, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians 6, 11, he says, and that is what some of you were, adulterers and sexually immoral and so forth. But then he goes on to say, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And that's exactly 
what, what the Lord wants to do in your life. Know this. God can always make a way even when there seems to be no way. And he's waiting for you to trust him. And if you haven't made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, please seek out one of the staff here. Talk to him about what it means to take a next step with Jesus. And this self-control, uh, this whole thing about self-control and the tug of the wills, through the Holy Spirit, together we can win as we navigate this polarized world. I'd like to pray for you before we close. Our God and Father, we thank you for the fact that Jesus paved the way for us. Not only did he pave the way for us, but he paid the debt for us. So no matter what we've done in the past, no matter where we are right this very moment, we know that you love us and we know that Jesus paid the price for us. We know that through the Holy Spirit in our life, coming through Jesus and accepting him as our Lord and Savior, we can conquer those temptations and those struggles that we find ourselves in uh, just all the time, that keep us defeated, that, that have us um, totally just overcome with self-doubt. Through the Holy Spirit, we realize that these are battles that we can win. And so, Father, as we navigate this polarized world, I pray that for each one who's listening to this message, uh, that they'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and the fruits, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Because really, Father, when we live these out, it's living uh, our very best life. And that's what God wants for us. So, Father... I, I pray that uh, you would just fill each and every person with your Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, that we might be more than conquerors through you because you love us. And Father, we give you all the glory and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. May God grant you self-control that you, you could be victorious uh, over all the temptations that Satan's going to throw your way today and this week. God bless you. Thanks for joining the Rainier View Christian Church Podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to be notified for all future episodes. Be sure to connect with us on socials at Rainier View CC and find out more about us at RainierView.org.